0: Well, hey everybody, we're back. We're back. Um as promised, we'll get to the uh <laughs> Ice Planet Barbarians. But first, first a brief rant. Um in order to protect the innocent, I'm not going to get too specific. Um so let's let's just say that I'm making up a very hypothetical uh situation in order to illustrate a point that I think needs to be made. Um This is coming from somebody with almost like 20 years of public service experience, okay? Like working with the the general public and uh, their wants, their needs, and the way those things are expressed. Okay, I have the utmost uh, understanding when somebody comes in to, let's say, let's say somebody's coming into the library to fax um, unemployment paperwork. Right, And for some bizarre reason, that unemployment paperwork is due on a Saturday. And, you know, for some reason, they've had less than a week to put this together. And for some reason, uh, they came into the library today, which is Friday, uh, ten minutes before we close. Now, the way the library works, we do have a fax machine, but... In order to get fax confirmation, it's slow as shit. Okay? Like, I'm talking, like, a couple minutes per page. So when you have, like, an 11-page unemployment paperwork packet that absolutely needs to be in someone's hands by Saturday, and uh, you're there and we're about to close on Friday there might not be enough time for that confirmation to pop in. Like, it just doesn't happen. This is like a common scenario type, which is someone's in an emergency, and it may be entirely no fault of their own, right? It, it could be entirely possible that this person has done everything they can really as quickly as they could realistically, And uh, they're just a a victim of the man, you know, and there was no way to prevent this from being such a a disaster. Okay. The thing that that I really dislike is oftentimes uh, the discussion is not like, oh, man, this is really important for me or like whatever. And it's never, ever, 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 ever ever, ever, the person saying, all right, I I have screwed up here. I'm going to recognize that. I should have gotten here an hour ago. Frankly, I should have filed this paperwork two days ago. And I'm going to just own that. Let's start, start there with me saying, I recognize what is going on here is to some extent my fault. That would be crazy to expect of anyone, but, you know, what would be... See, you'd think once in a while somebody would at least not blame you for this, because it's like, well, here's my role in this. I work in a place that has a fax machine that works for free, but it's a little slower, Uh, you know, because... Long story short, we use, like, a, a scan-to-fax service, so it takes a while. It's not the quickest thing in the world, because fax, missi- fax, machine, fax machine service is kind of like becoming a dinosaur. The only things that seem to use fax machine service, by the way, are, like, super, super important government things. Like, you know, your unemployment, your disability, whatever. Those things still use a fax machine, which is fucking crazy. Like, the government should just get on top of this shit and be like, look, there is nothing about a faxed document that is any more uh, rigidly accurate than a scanned document. Because I could just as easily scan a document, edit it, print it out, and then fax it to you, right? Right. There is a minor extra step, I guess, to falsify a faxed document. But I don't... The thing is, I don't think the faxing of documents is, like, creating a more realistic, uh, you know, double check. I don't think the faxing of documents is causing them to be more accurate or, like, for the government processes to be better. This is the kind of stupid shit... That always bothers me where I'm like, you know, we talk a lot of good game about, ah, the government should do this. The government should do that. And I'm like, y'all, the government still makes you fax them things. I defy you to find a fax machine. You know, if you live in, I had someone I knew who was working in Denver who was like, I cannot find a fucking fax machine. Like, how do I fax these papers in? Um, you know, and I was like, you live in the city of Denver. And so you can go to like a FedEx Kinko's and they'll usually do it. But the only thing is, is it costs a fair amount of money. Um, which is also part of what the government, it makes me suspicious. Like maybe some Senator out there owns FedEx Kinko's and that's why I, the fax is such a thing. Cause they're like, well, basically once there is no fax left, but us, we can charge whatever the fuck we want. By the way, I was not really aware of this until, well, several years ago, but I've just never had any chance to, to say anything about it. Did you know that there was such a thing as junk faxes? It was like junk mail, except it was faxes that people would get. How crazy is that? I don't even know how that operation works, but whatever. That's, that's beside the point. Um, the fax service sucks. The library faxing service sucks. However, I think the real problem here is that nothing should be required to be faxed. Because, like, fax, fax technology is it's pretty much a dead technology at this point. Because anyone who needs to do anything with any kind of speed is going to just send it via email. Right? A scanned document. And so, like, the government is the only people that do this bullshit. Or if you're entering into some kind of a deal with somebody and they demand a fax version of something, fuck it. Like, don't do it. Because I can tell you right now, it's not going to work out. The deal is not going not to be a good one for you. I don't think you're going to be happy with where you end up in this deal. I'm just saying. Consider the possibility that if you're making a deal with someone who demands a fax, that you're making a deal with a fool. <laughs> you know, and, like, the only exception is the government, and the government does it because it's like, well, what's your other option? It's not like you're like, well, I'm going to just petition a different government for the unemployment benefits. Like, they, they'll they give you the unemployment benefits, but you got to do the shit that they want you to do and do it the way they want you to do it, and there's really no no turning back, baby. I don't know why I said it that way, but here we are. There's a company out here called Binford, which I was like, isn't that the home improvement tool time company? Did they like buy that? How does that work? You can just have like a fictional tool company name and turn it into a real lumberyard name. Is anyone paying attention? Maybe it's just everyone's like, isn't that the home improvement thing? And everyone's like, well, who fucking cares? What's going to happen? Tim Allen's going to come sue us? We're fine. Anyway, let's, let's, re, let's get back to the, the thing here. My point is like, as the library worker who's trying to help you send the fax, um, I am only trying to help you. However, I'm also only trying to be real with you. And there is a guy on the frontage road who must be going 95 miles an hour. <laughs> This motherfucker is flying. Um, I, I'm i just trying to help you. You know what I mean? It's It does not behoove me to not help you. Because really, after many, many years of public service, what I've discovered is uh, most times a public services employee will just help you. Because just helping you uh, do something correctly is probably less headache than... I don't know what people imagine I'm doing, like, fucking with you or something. Do you know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, let's just say in this hypothetical, there's this lady, and she's like, I need this stuff faxed in. It needs to get there by Saturday, and it's super, super important. So I need that confirmation. And a library staff member is like, you know, we'll just we'll keep refreshing this thing up until, up until we close, and it's possible it'll come in, but I just have to tell you, it's pretty unlikely. Like, it's probably not going to come in, um, because the length of the document, you know, it'll probably take 20 minutes for this confirmation to come in, and we're closing in five. So, you know, we'll give it our our fucking best shot, but uh, I'm not banking on it. So, you know, we do it, we do it, and so... This, this gets explained to this hypothetical person And then the hypothetical person is like But you don't understand Like this is, you know, this is my benefits And if I don't get this in in time I won't get the benefits And this is like such a common thing that people do And I'm like, look There's not like a When you tell us, oh, this is actually important Then I'm like, oh Well, in that case Let's do it this way Which works better, faster, and more efficiently. And I didn't tell you about it because I thought your fax was just frivolous. That doesn't exist. Like, especially in the library, that's not a thing. Like, we don't address somebody's request uh, based on frivolity. You know what I mean? Somebody puts in an interlibrary loan. That goes in the queue. They work on it. And it's not like they skip over my bullshit interlibrary loan request to work on like one that appears to be a serious academic request, right? They're like, look, we do this one, we do the next one, we do the next one. And uh, we do each one, we give it as just as much consideration as we can. And uh, we may get it, we may not. But you know, it's not like we see some stupid bullshit And we're like, oh, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to waste my time getting someone this stupid fucking book. Like, that doesn't happen. And so we don't look at, like, uh, facts, and then it's like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me it was important? We would have done it the right way if we'd known it was important. You know what I mean? So that, that makes me crazy. But then, like, it gets worse to me because the people sometimes get very combative. And they get very, like... I have to have this done. You know, this is so important to have this done. And I'm like, I, look, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like, if you're saying it's of utmost importance to have it done, I'd be hitting up that FedEx Kinko's right now. And like, so you send it twice. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> I would rather send it twice than send it none. You know, if, if these are my options, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for twice and not none. And, you know, it's like, I think it just bothers me because I, I try to be very conscious about not treating people that way. In other words, not treating people like, well, listen, this is really important to me. And, like, that becomes your problem. It's, I, hate, I hate this phrase that people use where they're like, your lack of, pl- lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Because I'm like well that seems harsh And I'm like I don't know It's not always like a lack of planning It's like sometimes people have urgent shit That there was nothing they could do about it And I'm not blaming them for that This is the thing is I'm not, I'm not in the game of like Whose fault is it that this fax Didn't go through right Because as I was just saying I'm inclined to say eh, Fucking government's fault really Because like why are you required to even send them a fax This is fucking stupid but, uh, you know, so I, I don't like that phrase, and at the same time, I do like part of it, which is like, listen, there's no amount of this being urgent for you that can uh, make it go through faster. I cannot force it through any other way that's, you know, faster at all. Um, there's really nothing I can do. So... And, you know, like, here's here's the advice portion. Because on this podcast, we, like, once every 18 episodes, do a little advice. So here's the advice portion for the next, like, year and a half. If you're in that situation and you're the person and you're like, I'm experiencing an emergency, like a personal emergency, and uh, there's really the only way out for, for me now is for somebody else uh, who's not at fault here and not really involved to really go out of their way and help me out. If you find that self in your situation, I think it's totally appropriate and acceptable to ask and to just lay it out there. But here's how I'm going to suggest you do it. Listen, I've messed up big time and I own that. And this is like really, really important to me. And I, I have no other way to do this. So if there's any way you could hang here with me until I can get that fax confirmation, I'm, I'm just asking you out of the kindness of your heart to do this for me as like person to person, human to human. Um, and if you say no, you say no. And I understand. And I'm not going to like flip out on you or give you a hard time. But I would really incredibly appreciate it if you would do that for me. I think if someone approached me in that way, I would be inclined to help them out. Now, I'm a little bit more of a softy than some. Also, I have no life, so it's not like I'm fucking... Uh, you know, I'm not really like uh, itching to get to whatever's next when I leave work. So, you know, it's, it's not as big a deal for me to do that as maybe some other people. So be prepared to hear no. But just fucking ask that way. Instead of trying to, like, guilt the person into helping you um, and sort of, like, laying your problem at their feet, ask them to help you. Ask them for some consideration. Ask them for some, like, some extra human kindness. I think that you'd have more success that way. I just do. Don't ask me why, but I have a feeling like you might be able to work it that way. I can, here's what I can tell you for sure. It doesn't work the other way. It does not work to try and like guilt me into staying and hanging out with you while we wait for your, your facts. I'm not going to suggest that to you, um, especially when I'm like, listen... There's no way you could have gotten here 10 minutes earlier. Like, there's nothing about your life that would have possibly permitted that to happen. Because, you know, I have a hard time believing that. And it's it's weird when you work at the library, too, because you've got that high-low. You've got super important things, and you've got super frivolous things. And you're sort of like, you know, this is this is my life. Like, what... The life of working in the library is like, what is important to you really doesn't matter. It's like everything that's important to everyone else needs to be important to you for as long as you're working with them. It's kind of like, you know, you know when you're in a relationship and there's something that's pretty important to the person you're in the relationship with, and it's just not important to you, Um, but you're like, you know, it's not like a bad thing that they're into. It's just... I don't feel this sense of importance that they have, but whatever, like, you know, I, I can make it important to me because it's important to them. And that makes sense to me. Like that speaks to me as a a concept, right? So in conclusion, like, I feel like the world would be a little better if we were all just a little bit better about saying, like, hey, you know, I fucked up. I'm going to own it. This is not your fault. However, you can help me in this situation. And if you were to do that, I would deeply appreciate it. You know, I think that, like, the jaded part of me, too, and part of why it's, like, I think people should only work in certain fields for like a certain amount of time because you just start to like be like everyone is a monster or whatever. But like the jaded part of me is sort of like, you know, I feel like there are people who never find themselves in this sort of situation. And then people who always find themselves in this situation. You know what I mean? Like. Sometimes if I'm feeling optimistic, I'm like, I see a lot of people at at their lowest, their worst time, their worst day. And so like, meh, you know, let's have some consideration for that. But other times I'm just like, you know, I bet this person has mysteriously has a lot of like weird missed deadlines and things in their life. And, uh just you know everything is at the last minute and da 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 and they're like why does this always happen to me and i'm like why does this always happen to you i think it would be good if you slowed down for a a day and really examined because i bet there's a common thread in all of the things that sort of go wrong for you (laughs) and i feel like you could probably figure out what it was Eh, i don't know seems possible right Anyway, that's, that's my rant. So now let's talk about um, Ice Planet Barbarians. So when we left you last time, our hero Georgie, uh, she had been kidnapped by aliens in, like, paragraph two or three of this book. So that was amazing, because we did not fuck around. And we, we know nothing about Georgie. And some people would probably complain about that, because they'd be like, "Well, oh, character development. There's no such thing as a story without character development Which I'm always like, oh, fuck off Character development Like, yeah, some stories are about character development But some stories are about, you know, a character going through a thing That doesn't necessarily change them forever You know what I mean? Like, some stories are just about a thing that happened It's like, uh, think about, uh A story you would tell someone about something that happened to you the other day An amusing anecdote from work Like, okay, the story I just told on here About the hypothetical fax machine situation I don't expect that to be a life-changing story for anyone Even though it did end with a horrible like And the lesson I learned is this, blah 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 Which I hate And I'm kind of disappointed that I did that to you But here we are Anyway, um, I'm I'm not always the biggest fan of, like, you know, oh, it's got to be a character goes from this to this in order to be a pleasing story. So I'm like, eh, I don't really think so. I think a character can stay the same and can still be enjoyable. So uh, she gets kidnapped by aliens, and she is kidnapped along with, like, a dozen other women of about her age, uh, which they discover, okay, there's one woman who's on the ship who for some reason has been given this, like, gizmo on her ear so that she can translate what the aliens are saying. I'm not totally sure why. I remember there was some reason that it happened. Uh, I've been informed since reading this book that a lot of what I said, you know, My phrase is, and then for some reason, and for some reason, which is basically, and for no reason this happens, but it does happen. I've since been informed this is called romance reasons, um, where it's like, well, I need this to happen to facilitate the plot of this romance book, so that's why certain things uh, in the plot happen, or that's why certain elements are introduced, because it's like, well... If they could never communicate with each other, uh, this wouldn't really work as a book, right? Okay, so there's like 12 women, I think, on this spaceship. If I'm correct, it was like 12 who were just hanging out like Georgie, and then another 12 who were like in some kind of stasis mode. And uh, they gather from this woman who can translate for them that these aliens have kidnapped them in order to uh, use as breeding stock for their... Maybe for them, maybe for somebody else. I don't know. It's kind of like uh, sex trade except for it's like baby having trade. Which I I don't know if that's a thing that we have in our world so much. But maybe... I'm not entirely sure why these aliens need uh, human women to have their babies. A. B, I'm not entirely sure why... Uh, how they know that that works. Like, how do, how do they know they can get a lady pregnant? Because that seems highly unlikely. But, yeah, I guess it's possible. Anything's possible. And then C... Um, I'm not sure why the only or best option for these aliens is to, like, kidnap women and make them into sex slaves. Baby-making slaves? Mom slaves? I don't know. I don't know what you call this, but uh, human-trafficked? Um, but So, like, it, it's a weird thing. It's kind of like when you watch Star Trek and there's Klingons... But Klingons seem to have about as much technology as, like, the Federation, right? But then you're like, Klingons are, like, very warlike, you know, and uh, don't really seem to care for, like, uh, I don't know, quiet study. So it's sort of hard to imagine the Klingon who was, like, who, who developed faster than light travel, you know, warp, warp speed travel. What Klingon did that? And how? And how did he not just get, like, beat up every day at Klingon school? Which I guess they would just call school, right? Anyway, um, so you're like, I don't know. These aliens have a sophisticated enough system and ability to, like, cross the vast reaches of space. They must be from another galaxy or solar system or whatever. And then they get here and then they're just like, eh, just fucking let's just get them. (laughs) <laughs> They've got no other ideas. I don't know. Maybe they just don't care. I mean, maybe it's just sort of like livestock to them. And maybe maybe this is a very human-centric way of looking at things because I'm like, it's weird to uh, impregnate livestock. Like, I don't know. It would be weird if, if someone was like, here's a space cow that you can bang and have babies. I'd be like, you know, I'm not having babies as it is, so I'm not, I'm not so desperate to, to do this that whatever. Anyway, unfortunately, one of the aliens rapes one of the ladies who's there uh, early in the book. I'm not really sure why that happens. I mean, the alien is punishing the woman for something and, like, rapes her in full view of everyone else, and then that's when Georgie sort of discovers, oh... Okay, this is a pretty bad situation we're in. So then something happens for some reason, romance reasons. uh, The aliens abandon their human cargo on an ice planet. Now, best I can figure, the best I put together from the book, and I'll be honest, maybe this is laid out extremely clearly and I didn't catch it. But I think what happened is they get, their spaceship is like, Imagine it's uh, driving up from uh, Central America into the United States. And they're like, they see a cop coming from like really far away. And they're like, well, I have this uh, material that I am going to throw out the window. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm picturing, right? Like, So the weird thing is that I'm like, so this implies the existence of some kind of space cop. That is like not, that is enforcing that you should not be stealing human women uh, for whatever reason. Okay. Which again would imply like, well then couldn't you just like chat with human women and convince them to come with you? And then that way when the space cops come, you know, the woman is like, oh, I'm here by choice. And the space cop's like, well, all right then. I guess I have nothing to nothing to do about that, so uh they get abandoned on this ice planet. There was one guy of the aliens left in the i picture it like a big shipping container, uh, but he's dead. Georgie kills him, I think, or maybe like beats the shit out of him, and then in the the crash he dies something so all these ladies are kind of fucked up. the ones in stasis are still just in stasis. And they're on a planet that they refer to as Not Hoth a bunch of times. So Georgie decides to uh, venture out into the snow and see what she can find. Which seems like a terrible, I mean, on one hand it's a terrible idea, but on the other hand, uh, they assume or maybe know that the aliens are going to come back and they're going to swing back around and pick them up. You know, I, I stashed my material somewhere that I'm going to come back for it later. That seems to be what's going on. So I guess they're like, well, A, I don't know if we'll survive this, but B, maybe what would be best for us is to try and, like, I don't know, mount some kind of a defense or something. Not real sure what their plan is, but that's not important. The important thing is that she goes out. And then she's running around, and she meets Vectal, who is a, uh, he's basically a Navi from Avatar. He's described almost like that in every way. And uh, so then the rest of the book is alternating chapters, some narrated by Vectal, some by Georgie. So the first thing that happens after they encounter each other is he goes down on her, and it's, like, amazing for her. Like, she's real into it. Now, because this is a novel with alternating, uh, whatever, you've got this guy going down on this woman and she's not like real, she is not consenting or at least not consenting at first. And then, uh, but you know, it's like, she kind of rolls into this position of like, you know, I think I'm dying on an ice planet. There's fucking aliens everywhere trying to kill and rape me. And now there's an alien who is also kind of being rapey here, but at least he's, I guess, going down on me instead of trying to, like, you know, knock the back out or whatever. So, and uh, also she's like, he's pretty good at it, so I think I'm just going to let this ride. Now, when you're in Vectal's head, you know that he's got this thing he calls a qui, and it resonates, quote-unquote, when he sees Georgie, And to his people, what that means is you've met your soulmate, basically. Um, Think about this as, like, biological Tinder, except it's guaranteed. Like, whoever your Quee resonates with is your person. And that's it. That is your destined mate. And you will fall madly in love with them. And also, uh, the way it works for them is when your Quee resonates with somebody, their Quee resonates with you as well. So... There is like a consent thing happening here and a bunch of people have reviewed the book and complained about it, which I have mixed feelings about. So let me just be clear. I am not talking about issues of consent in real life. I am talking about issues of consent in a romance novel uh, that's taking place on an alien world where we have alien customs and ways of living and biological facts of alien biology that uh, the alien could not really know wouldn't match up with his own. Okay. Uh, Yes, she doesn't consent. But as far as he could have known, because his qui resonated with hers, he would have to assume that hers was resonating with his, and therefore they were destined to be together, and, you know, so that's what you do when you're destined to be together. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'm like, I'm reading a romance novel, right? And I've certainly got the sense of like, listen, when you're reading a romance novel and you get to a certain point, you're like, there's there's got to be some sexy time before too long. And it's like, well, I don't know how you work that out uh, like with consent and whatever, when it's an alien and a lady and it's like, well, how are they going to, they can't even communicate. How are they going to do that? But, uh, it, it just, it doesn't work great, but also I'm kind of like, eh, you might be overthinking it. You know what I mean? Um, I guess the people who pointed it out online, like, I'm like, you're not incorrect. And if If this is, like, a huge issue for you personally, if you're just, like, I could not hang with a book that works that way, that's fine. And, like, this is not the book for you. I would say that. But I just want to say, like, in defense of uh, many, many readers who really do enjoy that, because sometimes what seems to happen is, like, uh, mainstream audiences kind of get a hold of a, a romance novel, and then mainstream audiences sort of apply their standards to a romance novel, and I don't necessarily mean standards of, like, good writing or, like, whatever they would consider, stuff like that. I mean standards of, like, what they will and won't accept, and it's very different. And I think that's sort of a mistake. I think people need to recognize when you're like, listen, you are in, you're in their house. You are in romance's house right now. And so what you need to do is, like, abide by their rules and pay attention to their rules instead of going by your normal rules. <laughs> You're having dinner at your in-laws, not your house. And so they make the rules. Um, I, I don't know. And I guess it, it really brings up a thing for me of, like, you know, for me, there's a, a completely different set of lines of, here are the things I will accept in real life, and here are the things I will accept in fiction. And they're almost unrelated. Like, there are things that I will... uh, I would never abide in real life that in fiction I don't give two shits about. Like, I just... I couldn't care less. Um, And there are things, too, that, like, I would just smile and nod in real life, but I won't accept it in fiction because I'm like, Ugh, I just don't care to read about it. Um, I was reading this pretty interesting thing of, like, it was a, a comic book writer talking about, like, writing comic books. And he was saying a lot of times editors will tell him, like, uh, you know, you should tone this down, you should do this, you should do that. And he's like, basically, they want to make it, like, as inoffensive as possible. And something he said that I can only kind of summarize, but I totally resonated with, my Quee resonated with this statement because he was like, you know, when we do that, it kind of like lends credence to the idea that writing, uh, you know, taboo things in books is actually a bad thing to do. Or like that there's actually a problem. It's legitimately a problem to say and depict horrible things in fiction. And I was like, you know, he's kind of right. And like when I, in the past, was writing about um, conservative and liberal book bans. And I was like, that's, I wish I'd read this first because I was like, that's the core of what I'm getting at. Is like, when uh, a progressive person bans a book, adds it lends credence to the idea that a book can be a harmful thing so in other words it's like I don't think most right-thinking people would right-thinking correct people I think most correct people would say I don't think a book can quote turn someone gay like I don't think that's how it works and I, I don't think there's a book that can possibly accomplish that feat nor do I think there's a book that's attempting to do that but even if it was, I just don't, I don't think it would happen, right? But when you turn around and you try to ban a book that's, like, about, you know, something conservative, I don't know, like a anti-trans narrative, I guess that also makes me think, like, well, but when you try to ban that book, aren't you saying, like, this book could make someone anti-trans? Do you know what I mean? Like... It could make this person a horrible, hateful Nazi. I'm like, okay, well, if a book can do that, then it can probably do other things, right? But so, then it just, I don't know. And I don't really believe in that. I don't think a book is going to, like, turn someone into a completely different kind of person. I think it's possible that a book might give somebody, like, direction for something they were already feeling. In other words, like, if somebody already kind of had these feelings or, like, kind of held a hatred for somebody or some group of people, a book could, like, give them a more solid, like, version of that or, like, a more concise, clear vision for what that looks like or something. I don't, you know, that's the best I can describe it. But I don't really think it's like you're going to have... I don't think you're going to have somebody marching in the Pride Parade on Saturday, then Sunday they read a book, and uh, at the end of Sunday they, like, hate trans people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that works. And I also don't think it's like, well, someone goes to church on Sunday, uh, reads a pro-gay book on Monday, and then is gay on you know by the end of Monday. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's how this works. I don't think it goes either way. So... You know, from that standpoint, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know. Like, nobody has to read fucking Ice Planet Barbarians, by the way. This is not like a prescribed book. And this is not a book that, like, a lot of people are, uh, I, I don't think it's in a lot of class curricula. I could be wrong. But, you know, I'm fairly certain that it doesn't occupy that place in our world. Anyway, so, you know, I guess for me that's not really an issue because that, that sort of thing doesn't bother me. I also feel like, look, if you're going to read a book like Ice Planet Barbarians, you're probably going to read a little bit about it first. So if that sort of thing is an issue for you, no harm done, but just skip it. You know, you don't have to, like, be outraged that it exists. You can just skip it. And I think it'll be fine. You know, we just, we live on a, a if, if you're really mad about that sort of thing, I guess I'm like, just imagine the far future and, you know, the sun has gone supernova or red dwarf or whatever and uh, burned out and humanity is maybe gone completely or has moved on to other galaxies or, you know. Just imagine this far-flung future, and then imagine Ice Planet Barbarian's place in that future. I don't think it's going to be like a earth-shattering uh, tome that shapes our future in the cosmos. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, so uh, Vectal and Georgie have some adventures, you know, they like find food, do some shit like that. Um, What's pretty hilarious about their whole thing is, like, Georgie's off with Vectal and, like, banging him and stuff uh, a few times. And meanwhile, like, all these other ladies are just, like, waiting at this spaceship for her to return. And she makes some kind of shitty excuses for, like, why, you know, she's like, I'm off having this good time, and they're off doing that. But Vectal's like, you can't go out in the fucking freezing cold night because you'll die and you're like, yeah, that could be true. I don't know that that means you have to have sex, but at the same time, it's not like not having sex benefits anybody. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a weird uh this is like one of those overthinking Ice Planet Barbarians points cuz I'm like, well, it, okay, it would be like this. Imagine you you're in this situation and you leave the nest here to try and find Help or food or something And you come upon uh, A dwelling And there are people there And they're nice And they're like oh sit down eat, eat this delicious feast with us They got a bunch of fucking pizza hut Piled on the table And then you're like oh We gotta go get there are other people Back there And then these uh, folks that you found Are like listen you cannot travel Around here at night like, and also you're on death's door You're not going to make it So you, have to ju- you really don't have a choice but to stay the night okay? And then we'll go get your people in the morning And you're like alright cool So then you're sitting there with all this pizza And the, the sort of dilemma here is you're like I feel sort of guilty because I'm having a pizza feast Like you know I just read a bunch of books And put the stickers on the book it button but on the other hand, it's not like not having the pizza feast benefits anybody, right? If I don't have the pizza feast, uh, it helps nobody. And really, having the pizza feast hurts nobody, right? so it gets it gets complicated. Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? So anyway, uh, they eventually go, they rescue the other ladies there's a bunch more Vectal people. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but it turns out they are like almost entirely a a male species. Like the, they don't have very many female babies. So the other men are very excited that all these women are here and hoping that they will resonate with them. And this leads to an amusing scene where uh, the women are being rescued and cared for. And like Georgie has explained to Vectal at this point, they've, been able to communicate And has explained to him like Listen uh, We gotta go rescue these women And y'all can't just like Start banging women You can't just start like going down on like a dying woman uh, Because you're resonating Or whatever And he's like got it Which also by the way You know speaks to this whole thing Cause I'm like Well okay once they could communicate And she explained to him that that's not how things work For them uh, he was like, oh, okay, got it. And he thoroughly enforced this rule. But they're, like, rescuing these women, and the, some of the men start resonating, and everyone's like, who's resonating? <laughs> Stop resonating. God damn it, you're embarrassing me. I told you not to resonate, you know? And, like, these women getting rescued have no idea what's going on. So anyway, uh, they, when it gets really weird... Uh, Because, you know, it was kind of weird. But then when it gets really weird is it turns out that the Kui that Vectal has been talking about is a parasitic glowing worm. uh, Which they have these sort of, I'm going to call them space mastodons that like live on the ice planet. They have to like kill a space mastodon and get a bunch of these Kui out of it. And then cut the ladies' necks open and put the Kui into the ladies'. Because uh, the Kui helps everybody stay warm and stay alive. And, you know, whatever. It's like they basically aren't going to survive on the ice planet unless they have this Kui. So they do that. Um, And, you know, they're kind of, it's sort of matter of fact. And, like, Georgie's talking about how it's gross. (coughs) But she's not like, uh this is the weirdest fucking thing that's ever happened. Which may be realistic, because, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, at this point, it's like you've been gone down on by this, like, giant blue man. You're on an ice planet. You've been abducted by aliens. You've had a week. And maybe, maybe you just, like, at some point your brain breaks, and you're like, you know, whatever next weird thing that we're going to do is fine. Because I've... I'm maxed out. It's like, you know, if you... uh It feels like once you turn the volume up so high on a speaker and just put your head right up to it, like turning it up another two notches really is an imperceptible difference, right? Or like, it's like putting uh, some food in the microwave for two seconds. And you're like, well, in theory, it's probably measurably warmer if I had scientific equipment, but... At this point, it's all the same. Um, Also, I can't really remember how it works out, but the bad aliens come back, and somehow Georgie causes their ship to crash. And so they're presumed dead, and there we go. And that's kind of the end of the book. Now, I would say I enjoyed this book. It's not, like, my thing. I don't think, like... Uh, Bizarre romance is going to become my uh, Normal I don't know how often It's going to be in the rotation (coughs) But it was not bad And I feel like there's a big lesson To be learned here Again it's like I hate when things have a lesson But this had a lesson for me And it felt like uh, You know sometimes a book You can just kind of kick back and enjoy it doesn't have to be, like, uh, earth-shattering. And uh, when you look at something as it doesn't have to be earth-shattering, it just has to be entertaining, it's kind of a... The world is a little better. I mean, it's like you're not, you're not disappointed in things anymore. You know what I mean? Like, when you're just like... Uh, the new Star Wars movie does not have to be life-affirming the way it was when I was seven. It can just be entertaining and pretty good. And it's like, well, if that's all you need, then yeah, that probably works, right? So that's that's where I'm at with that. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't necessarily recommend Ice Planet Barbarians, but I think everybody listening to this should find an Ice Planet Barbarians they can live with. Maybe for many of you it's Demolition Man. That would be a, a great starting point if you're not sure where to go. Um, Just you need something in your life that every once in a while that is just like, you just need to eat a lemon head. And you're like, this is not going to do anything good for me. Like, this is just sugar and whatever. But you know what? I'm enjoying it. And uh, it's fine to do that sometimes. I don't know if you want to do it all the time. But uh, if you're doing it sometimes, I think you'll be happier. <laughs> I don't know if everyone needs this message. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably nothing more frivolous than this. So maybe you absolutely do not need this message. Because you're like, I listen to Helpful Snowman, so I'm I'm getting the message of, like, frivolity is fun sometimes. <laughs> but I, I really believe it. I, I think there is, like... We all need to make room for just goofy bullshit sometimes and we're better for it. You know, stupid is a strategy as I've become so fond of saying. So there you have it. Ice Planet Barbarians. Uh gets gets my recommendation in as much as like as much as I recommend anything really, I guess. I don't know. What do I don't know that I get on here and I'm like, "Oh, this is amazing. This is great." More like, this fucking thing was crazy. This is, this thing was stupid. But I guess that's what happens. You just, you run out of, eventually you run out of uh, Star Wars. You run out of Pixar. And you're just like, well, now what? (coughs) Uh, Just as a, a sort of a plug, but it's an entertaining one. I, uh, I started, I have two newsletters that run on Substack now. So I've got one that's just sort of a comedy newsletter, like, kind of replaces the blogging I used to do. Um, and the other one is about, like, library topics. And that's, I guess, more serious-minded or whatever, but, you know, I try to keep it interesting or fun-ish, at least. Um because it would be really boring to write, like, super serious academic library blog or something. And, you know, there's plenty of that out there, right? There's plenty of people who take themselves way too seriously in the library world. And I don't want to be that person. But, you know, I and I think sometimes my views are sort of different from uh, the mainstream library views. If that can be... If I can be as generous as to call... that there is such a thing as the library mainstream. (laughs) I don't know that there is, but if there is, uh, my things are different from it. So, you know, subscribe to those. They're free. They'll pop into your email inbox. I usually try and keep them short, too, so it's like a five-minute read. It's a good poop read. You gotta take a dump, just read it on the toilet instead of doom-scrolling through something. And, uh, you know, tell your friends enjoy it it's like i i do most things for free and that so i decided to do more things for free so far this like financial plan of just doing everything for free is not working out for me but we'll see what happens all right (laughs) we'll see you next time